Dear Father, thank you for this opportunity we have to see your face. We plead that you give us a humble spirit and that you forgive us of all our sins as we confess them unto you and that you would abide with us and teach us and soften our hearts, taking away the stony heart that all that you would have to teach us today we would hear, accept and do. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer for we have asked in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome to the Gospel Space, and I'm your host, Uluwa Femi. Greetings to you, dear listener. We cannot imagine the singing that would be going on in heaven right now singing such as we have never known as we open the word of god to learn to know and to understand him of which is it in it is in this we should find the greatest delight in searching out the requirements in searching out the will of god for our lives this i believe would bring great joy and great rejoicing in heaven because this is the first step well not the first step but it's one of the steps you know remembering um, a verse that that uh, that is committed to memory in the book of jeremiah the book of jeremiah chapter 7 verse 24 in these steps it first talks about humbling ourselves humbling ourselves seeing and understanding that of ourselves we can do nothing and all of our help all of our direction comes from god and after humbling ourselves then we seek the face of the lord we seek what is your will then upon finding his will we pray oh lord help me do your will Help me accept your will. Help me love your will. Because it's the thing that we love, we will do. Then after prayers, then we understand all of these things. Then um, our prayers will lead to action. Pleading for mercy. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And in pleading for mercy, you know, that's a sign of the realization of how far we have fallen short of our Lord's standard, then it would lead us to turn from our sins. It's such a beautiful process. It's such a beautiful process and it has been arranged accordingly so in, such, in such a way that if one skips one process, then that goal, which is perfection, which is righteousness, it's only just ah, the process has been given and all through our study most especially from the book of exodus we have been seeing god giving patterns to do things patterns on how to make sacrifices of which that has been established since our first parent fell giving directives on how to do things is is the God who knows all things, the all-wise God, 
has given us the process of their own existence and we would only find joy, peace and happiness if we follow all the instructions step by step, not skipping. The Bible says not looking to the left, not to the right, but staying focused, keeping our eyes fixed on the commands and on the instructions of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I say welcome, dear listener. Today we shall be studying the book of Leviticus chapter 23. We are coming, well, we are at the tail end of the book of Leviticus. And again, I thank God very much for how he has been teaching and giving us instructions as we come together to study his word. You know, on, on, on getting to this verse, when I first went through the chapter, not verse, when I first went through the chapter, I was like, oh, Lord, thank you. This this is 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 it's like a summary of what we have been learning pertaining feasts, all these ceremonies that we have been, been reading even from the book of Exodus, from the point where um our Lord sent the plague to the land of Egypt where the Passover was um instituted and all of that. So this this is it's a good review it's a very good review and in this we shall be studying and as it has been our custom for um a few episodes we shall be considering key um verses we shall be considering key verses that the episode wouldn't be too long because it's quite a lengthy chapter but we shall be considering key verses. Now, I'll, I'll say, because we are considering key verses together, I plead with you on your own, please go through everything. Please go through everything because there is much to learn and there is much to be reminded. of. I mean, if God reminded the children of Israel, then we also ought to be reminded. We also need to be reminded. Because considering... Um, how life has been it's it's only in a downward trajectory and um, then I believe they had better memory than we have now because you know you see sin is just causing a decline it's, it's not going up only a decline so if they at that time needed to be reminded and here this 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 chapter is not the only place where they are reminded of these feasts. No. From time to time, they are reminded of things. And God sees it fit to remind them here. <clears throat> and also to remind us. So let us hear what God wants to remind us of. Verse 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. Now, what are convocations? Convocations, they are the assembly of people. It's a gathering, right? So, we can say, in other words, these are these are to be holy gatherings, right? If that would be rephrased, it would read like this. 
the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy gatherings. These are my feasts. These are my feasts. Now, we would see something interesting as God was giving out this reminder. The next verse, which is verse 3, now says, Six days shall you shall your work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Then verse 4. The beginning of verse 4, it's, it's interesting and we must take note. We must take note of how God then starts to speak to the children of Israel. God then starts to speak to us from verse 4. He now said, this is God speaking, These are the feasts of the Lord. These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations which you shall proclaim at their appointed time. In verse 3, God talks, God reminds of the commandment of his Sabbath. And in verse 3, it, it, it's in what we have read now in verse 4, where God now says, these are the feasts of the Lord. It shows that the Sabbath, that is, six days you shall walk, and on the seventh day, it is the Sabbath of the Lord, is different from feasts. The Sabbath, the uh, let's call it the weekly cycle Sabbath, is different from the feasts. Because we have seen in other chapters where the feasts are also called Sabbaths. But here we are seeing a demarcation between the weekly cycle Sabbath and the feasts. And the Bible uses other words as Sabbaths for feasts. So we, we are seeing a clear demarcation. A clear difference between the weekly Sabbath and the feasts, where there were to be holy convocations. Now, as the Sabbath is holy, even these feasts, God calls them holy convocations. It's very good. It's very essential that we break this, um, this, this words and understand them as they are because there is a lot of confusion where people say oh god has crucified all of those things in the old testament god has done away with them but here we are seeing otherwise let me explain further for every of these feasts for every of god's commandments there is something attached to them. In the commandment of the Sabbath, now I'm talking of the weekly cycle Sabbath, six days and on the seventh day is the Sabbath. There is a reason why these things are established. 
Do you remember, remember in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 and in Exodus chapter 20 where God declared his commandments and he gave the reason for the Sabbath because I am creator. For in seven days I created the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that you and I can see and rested on the seventh day. This is the reason why I am giving the seven-day cycle Sabbath unto you. Reason behind every feast. Reason behind every commandment. Now, as we go on from verse 4, it now starts talking about the feasts. It starts talking about the Sabbaths. There is a difference between the Sabbath and the Sabbaths. Verse 4 now starts talking about the feasts, the Sabbaths. And it says, these are the feasts of the Lord, calling them holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed At their appointed times. And in the book of Exodus, we saw and God revealed to us the reason why the Passover was instituted. What is, the reason, is that reason, if you remember? You can pause and try to recall. But the reason why the Passover was instituted was at that point when God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, where all the firstborns in the land of Egypt were slain. Reason and feast. Reason and commandment. Let us go on. In our says, on the fourteenth day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month, it is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you shall eat, um, sorry, seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. Now, let us be reminded of key things that happened in Exodus. In Exodus, if you remember, we saw a change in the calendar of the children of Israel. Where God told them that this month that I brought you out of the land of Egypt shall be the beginning of years, of months to you. It shows the first um, uh, separation from worldly, how do I put it, <laughs> from the world's calendar for the children of Israel. And it says, on that month, sorry, in that month, you shall have 
this celebration. Now, we must note, we must note something very important that we have shared before as we have studied this. If, for example, this year, this is January, this is the first month where the Passover should be celebrated, and the 14th day falls on, or the 14th day is a Monday. The seventh day, where they should have a holy convocation, would then be Sunday. Next year, January, if the 14th day falls on a Tuesday, the celebration, the holy convocation, would be a Tuesday. And this would happen in subsequent years. As, as the years go by, the Sabbaths, the Sabbath of the celebration of the Passover will vary. This is very different from the fourth commandment that God declared here before starting to list out, before starting to remind them of the other feasts. It's different. Don't forget, there is a difference between the Sabbath and the Sabbath. Then it, it, it goes on. It goes on. Don't, um, it goes on. To talk about the feast of first fruits. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you and reap the harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath. The high priest shall wave it and you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a bond offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two cent of an ephah and of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma, and a drink offering shall be of wine. Sorry, and its drink offering shall be of wine. You shall eat neither bread nor um, patched grain nor fresh grain until, until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generation in all your dwelling place. All your dwelling place. You know, the things God hung to the cross are all of this feast. These things were burdensome. They were burdensome. And the important thing is they were pointing to the Redeemer. They were pointing to God. Right? Sorry, they were pointing to Jesus Christ, the one who would come and save them. Don't forget the 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 all of these sacrifices, they were antitypes of Jesus Christ coming, of his coming to die for sinners. 
to go into the sanctuary to make atonement in their behalf. Right? They were all pointing to Jesus Christ, performing all of these feasts. Now, mind you, I say feasts. I don't say Sabbath. Performing all of these feasts, they were pointing to Jesus Christ. That is why when Jesus Christ died, then there was no need for all of these feasts again. The feast I'm talking about here is the killing of lamb, the celebration of Passover, the wave offering. There was no need because the person in which these things were pointing to had come, had lived the life of sinlessness, which represents the lamb without blemish or spot. And the death of that lamb, it is the death of Jesus Christ on that cross of Calvary, his ascension into the most holy place where he is now interceding for his people. All of these were pointing, all of these are pointing to Jesus Christ. And as he fulfills everything accordingly, not leaving one behind, then there is no need to perform all of these feasts anymore. Because the one who these feasts were all pointing to had come in flesh and had fulfilled all the requirements of this sacrificial system. Again, it is very important to know that there is a difference between the Sabbath, the seven-day weekly Sabbath, and the Sabbaths. Now, in, in the next um, convocation, in the next feast, it's very interesting. This is, this is the, um, the Feast of Weeks. It's the Feast of Weeks. And we'll just touch on a verse, verse 22. In this feast, a, a holy convocation. A convocation that was to be passed down all through their generation. It's very interesting. God's government is such, is such a blessing. So let's read verse 22. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaming, yeah, any gleaming from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. This is part of the feast. The commandment to not harvest everything from your farmland, leave some for strangers and leave some for the poor, is part of a feast. It's part of a celebration that should be done perpetually. Wow. What a perfect government. A government where they are commanded to have his character. A government where they are being guided to bear the name of God. Don't forget, when Moses asked God, Oh Lord, I want to see your face, I want to see your face. 
then God proclaimed his name to be merciful, loving, kind. I am the Lord, the Lord God, long-suffering. His name, which is his character, is trying to put in his people. Helping them see that you are married to me. And if you are married to me and you bear my name, then you must have a character that is like mine. In some uh, in some episodes, we we have discussed and we have cited the example of a marriage where the woman takes the name of the man, and whatever she does, whatever the man also does, they do it to the name. So uh, the, the the wife cannot say, "Oh, is my life." She must always remember that she is now representing a name that is not just a life. But that name, and this is what God is teaching the children of Israel. This is what God is teaching you and I. That now we now bear his name. We now say we are Christians. We have this public declaration that we are Christians. Now it is time to bear his name. It's time to represent him aright. Because now that we have proclaimed that we are Christians, by our actions, people would then start to speak. Oh, this person says he or she is a Christian and she's doing like this. So therefore, in the commandment of a feast that is to be celebrated perpetually, this beautiful command is given. When you harvest, leave some for the poor. Leave some for the stranger. God was trying to teach them. God was trying to put in them a character that they didn't see in the land of Egypt where they were slaves. So that when the world sees them, even when the Egyptians sees them, they would testify that they have a God who is merciful. A God who is kind. And a God who looks out for his neighbor as a brother. Let us go to verse 27. Verse 27 talks about the day of atonement. Remember the episode, atonement? The day of atonement. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Also the tenth day of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls. And offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. What does it mean to afflict your soul? Oh, plead mercy. Not flog or cause yourself, but search humble yourself. To afflict the soul is to humble yourselves. Search your heart. Oh, Lord, have mercy upon me. To have a contract spirit. Is to afflict one's souls, one's soul, excuse me. And he says, and you shall do no work on that same day. On this day, on the tenth day of the seventh month, you shall do no work. Now, this is different from you shall do no customary work. 
this is you shall do no work on that day on that appointed day no work shall be done for any person who is not afflicted in soul of any for any person who is not confessing his sins for anybody who doesn't have a contrite spirit on that day shall be cut off from his people And any person who does not work, and any person who does any work on that same day, the person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. You shall be a statue forever throughout your generation in all your dwellings. It shall be to be it shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. And you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month of the evening from evening to evening you shall celebrate your sabbath this verse is packed this commandment is very very yes i apologize for cutting off that way and for the sounds there is this clicking sound just over my voice it's it's me touching the screen of my phone it's me touching the screen of my phone or maybe scrolling so i apologize i apologize so back to the verse back to the verse considering verse 26 the day of atonement atonement as i called it atonement atonement it is it is really packed and there is a need for us to do a lot of recording. In while we studied the book of Exodus, we saw that the earthly sanctuary is a pattern of what is in heaven. The earthly sanctuary is a photocopy of what is in the heavenly sanctuary. And we saw that the practices that are done in the earthly sanctuary would be replicated in the heavenly sanctuary. The most holy place um, in the heavenly sanctuary is the throne of God, where God, the creator, is. And we must have this in mind. The earthly is a pattern of the heavenly. Sorry, the heavenly is a pattern of the earthly. Right? They are alike. And I remember we were grateful to God for showing us just um, a pinchy glimpse of what is in heaven. Now, if the earthly is a pattern of the heavenly, then the practices, the activities going on in the earthly sanctuary is also a representation of what is going on in the heavenly. It is a representation of what is going on in the heavenly. Meaning, the outer court where the sinner confesses his sin and it makes the sacrifice, it points to Jesus, right, who takes the sin of the world and is killed and his blood is shed. And that blood is then carried into the sanctuary and sprinkled. Then incense, that is prayer, and all of these practices that happen in the earthly sanctuary is only a representation 
of what is happening in the heavenly. The lamb that is to be killed, the lamb that is to be slaughtered, has a, there's a very key vital requirement. It must be without blemish. Who is the one that has lived in this world of sin and lived without committing any sin? Our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Lamb without blemish. He took upon himself the sin of you and I. He took upon himself the sin of the world. And he was slain. The lamb is being slain. Now that lamb is taken into the courts. The holy courts. Then prayer is sent. Prayer is sent. The blood is sprinkled in the holy. Then there is a proceeding into the most holy where atonement is made by the high priest. So we have Jesus coming, being slain on earth, which is the outer court. Then he goes in as a priest to make prayers that is in heaven. The sanctuary is a photocopy of what is in heaven. He then goes into the holy place in heaven to send prayers. Oh, we will study prophecy and this will be so beautiful. It then goes into the holy place in the heavenly sanctuary to send prayers and to sprinkle his blood. Now, there's no blood in heaven. It's just a representation here on earth that there is blood. Then after um, doing offering all those prayers in the holy place, he then moves into the most holy place. It is in the most holy place, the high priest here on earth goes into that place to make atonement. This atonement happens once in a year. The atonement happens once in a year. And we studied in the book of Exodus and we are studying here again. And we have also studied here again in the book of Leviticus. This is a solemn verse. When the high priest is in the most holy place, making atonement for the children of Israel, the children of Israel who are outside the tabernacle of meeting are afflicting their souls. They are confessing their sin. They are in a state. Their hearts are in a position of contrition. They, are, they have contrite hearts pleading for mercy. On that day, they are not doing any work. The focus, the aim, the position of their heart and their thoughts is confessing their sin. And not only confessing, but forsaking their sins. This is what is happening outside while the high priest is in the most holy place making atonement. This is a pattern of what is going on in heaven as Jesus Christ died as he moved from the holy place to the most holy place yes he has and we will see God teach us and reveal to us in such a beautiful way when we get to verses in the book of Daniel so God now Jesus Christ now is in the most holy place with his father making atonement 
for us. And as it is written here, at this point, we should be afflicting our souls. While he, Jesus Christ, is in the most holy place, making atonement for us. Don't forget, the day of atonement happens once. It happens once. Now, it then says, it says, for any person, I'm reading verse 29 now. It says, for any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be cut off from his people. Don't forget what it means to afflict the soul. It's not to flog yourself or do any of that. It is to have a contrite heart. Pleading for mercy. Now, if the high priest is in the most holy place, interceding for the children of Israel, and someone outside the tabernacle of meeting is not having a contrite heart, forgiving and forsaking his sin, he would literally be cut off. Because at that point, his sin will not be forgiven. The earthly sanctuary is a pattern of that which is in heaven. If at this point, Jesus Christ is interceding for us in the most holy place with his Father, and we who are outside the tabernacle of meeting, we who are outside the sanctuary, are not afflicting our souls, we shall be cut off. Because we have refused to confess our sins and turn away from those sins. We shall be cut off. On that very day where the where the atonement is going on, there shall be no work, no work whatsoever. Now it's not just saying no customary work, it says no work. This is a solemn verse. This is a solemn feast. This is this should melt our hearts. God giving us the knowledge that He has one work in the most holy place where He is now. And that work is to make atonement for you and I. And that work happens only. That work happens only once. There is no coming out of there and saying, okay, let's do this another time. It happens only once. That should melt our hearts. That should reveal to us the urgency of the time we have now. While Jesus Christ is in the most holy place, making atonement for us, for it to happen only once. And if you and I are not now afflicting our souls, if you and I now are not repenting and turning away, is 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 
the requirement is not only to confess and say, Oh Lord, I am a sinner, I have stolen. It's not, it doesn't end there. We have to then turn. We must realize that the actions that we have made are evil. We must see through the lens of God. Not just admitting that we are evil. But in admitting, in truly admitting, we should turn. Oh. Thank God for this blessed truth. I thank God very much that he has made this known to us. That he has made it plain. I pray that the Lord will help us. I pray that the Lord will help you. I pray the Lord will help me. Lord, we thank you for this words, these reminders, these things that you are doing for us. Help us that we would take them to heart and that we would afflict our souls as you are in the most holy place, interceding on our behalf. God bless you, my friends.